This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan. You are listening to the Langpreneur podcast and welcome to this brand new episode. How's it going? Are you going on vacation this year? Are you staying at home? We decided to stay at home, but uh, I'm really looking forward to the Langpreneur Mastermind, which is going to take place, hopefully. Uh, well, we assume that it's going to take place at the end of September. Um, a few very cool like-minded Langpreneurs, a few big names as well, have signed up for this event. We still have a few spots, so... If you're interested in joining us, then just send me a DM on Instagram at Langpreneur or just send me an email. Um, yeah, what else? Um, I think I promised to, well, I didn't make any promises, but I think I told you guys about this um, this mastermind that we had with, uh, with some of the biggest language educators on YouTube a few weeks ago. And uh, I was negotiating with Oli and trying to see if I could convince him to share the um some of the presentations that we gave during that online mastermind event with uh, with you guys here on the podcast but we decided to keep it exclusively for those who were invited and for very close friends of the community so if you are listening to this episode and you have a big following on social media and youtube on instagram but you have the feeling that you're not using the full potential of your business um they are not properly monetizing that then send me a dm on instagram and i will send you a secret link where you're going to have access to the presentations that we gave during that online mastermind event with some of the biggest youtubers there was only 10 or 12 people in the room well the virtual room and those guys had over 10 million no sorry 20 million subscribers amongst all of their channels so um yeah if you want to see if you want to watch some of the presentations that we gave or that Oli gave, and um, just send me a D, just send me a DM and I will give you a secret link where you're gonna get access. But this is only for you if you have a big online following. Otherwise, um, yeah, not gonna make that much sense for you. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, another interview. As always, this time on the show, Ari Smith from Shoma, New York City. Um, Ari, I think I watched his, vid- his first videos like eight years ago or something. He had a very small YouTube channel at the time. I think it was only like, well, at the time, maybe only five or 10,000 subscribers. And I interacted with Ari because, um, well, his videos were about learning Chinese and I was learning Chinese as well eight years ago. Um, and then I actually got on a call with him like three years ago and we discussed like we discussed creating YouTube videos and he was still very small at the time. I think it was only recently a year ago that I was scrolling through my newsfeed on YouTube and then I saw Ari there again and I, I clicked on one of his, of his videos and I saw that he had like over a million subscribers all of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this Ari? Um, so today, Ari runs a YouTube channel with over two and a half million subscribers. And um, yeah, in this interview today, we're really going to learn more about Ari's background story, how he got started on YouTube, some of his motivations, um, 
how his videos went viral and how he figured out what people want to watch and how he, how he really found his voice, I guess, on uh, YouTube. We're also, also going to talk about monetization. Uh, Ari makes quite good money with AdSense, of course, if you have such a big following, but also with sponsorships and recently also course creation. Um, so we're going to talk about all those things. Ari is going to share a few fun stories with us as well this chat was um we had a lot of fun and you're gonna hear that um so if you guys are ready then let's get started here is my interview with xiaoma nyc hey ari welcome to the langpreneur podcast tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do yeah hey jay what's up um so i i'm xiaoma i um um, I have a YouTube channel called Shama NYC, also Ari in Beijing, where, um, you know, you might have seen my videos before. They're, they're, uh, our listeners might have seen my videos before I, I speak. I surprise Chinese people with my Chinese. I do other things too, but that's kind of what I've, what I've become known for recently. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I'm just like, a, you know, an American guy who, who lived in China for a year back in like 2009, 2010, learn Chinese pretty well. And when I came back to the US, I, um, you know, I kind of thought like, well, let me just try like posting a clip on YouTube of me speaking Chinese because I had, I had been in China, I had been doing, um, you know, like if you're, if you're a foreigner who can speak Chinese to any degree in China, there's like a whole cottage industry of like TV and radio opportunities for you. Yeah, so yeah, I had been yeah. doing some of that in China. And then when I came oh, back, really? I was like, oh, you know, I kind of like being on camera. So let me try, let me try posting this video, this little clip of me speaking Chinese. And it went pretty viral on YouTube. And, um, and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Let me try making some more of these videos. And so I, I was making videos for a while, but only, only like, only like on a sort of part-time basis, I was working in, in finance and software for um, a bunch of years before kind of like, getting getting a bunch of traction with my videos um in china actually funny enough and uh you know i i um i i quit my software job like three years ago at this point um to just try to try to go go um go full full bore on my youtube yeah on my like video career Hmm. and i've just been doing that i've just been doing that ever since yeah. Hmm. Take us back to 2009 because that was yep. a year that you spent a year in China, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That that's by the way, I also spent a year in China in 2009 the same year. Really? Um yeah. Where? I wasn't I wasn't Guilin in the South Guangxi. Oh, Guangxi wow. Guilin, that's a, yeah. That's a great place. You were in Beijing? Yeah, I was in Beijing, yeah. So when you arrived in in China for the first time, could you speak yep. any Chinese? A little bit. Uh, so I had taken I had taken this was my sophomore year of college, so I had taken a year of college Chinese um, in uh, in in college, and I I like I don't know I wasn't it's it's when you're taking a class like that in college like like you learn so you learn the structure of a language, but it's different from actually being there and actually speaking yeah. the language. And so I um um what I what I actually ended up doing was that summer when I first went to China, yeah. I took this program called Princeton in Beijing, which yeah. was this amazing um, two month immersive uh, summer program in Chinese. And so yeah. you were, it was a bunch of American college students and you had to sign a language pledge going in that you weren't going to speak any other language, but Chinese the entirety of that summer. Yeah. So 
by the end of that, I was, I was a lot better than I had been coming in. Um, and, uh, you know, I felt like ready to actually kind of go out in China and speak to people in Chinese. And, um, so then I spent, I stayed on a year in Beijing at a university, um, called Beijing language and culture university at a really amazing time. Um, and I was essentially just studying Chinese that whole, the whole time I was there. Yeah. And have you also done gigs on, on, on Chinese, like in Chinese media outlets, like on the Chinese radio or TV? Have you been yeah, asked to appear in, yeah? Tell us a little yeah, bit about that experience. Right. So that's what, that's, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny because like, you know, Chinese people are, 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 are very interested in, in foreigners who can speak Chinese and um, especially if you can speak it well. And so I had, when I was, when I was a student at this university, there were all sorts of competitions for foreigners like which foreigner can speak the best Chinese let's yeah. put them all in a room and see who wins right <laughs> so that type of that type of thing and there were like singing competitions and online competitions and tv competition radio competitions and so I was in some of those and and it's like a it's like a circuit it's like a circuit and so you we went around um you know like trying to show off our Chinese abilities essentially and I was doing that for like for like months it was like a part-time job almost like uh, they were taking us around to like to like mongolia putting it up and uh, putting us up in hotels like uh, just it was it was pretty funny the radio or tv tv station both 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 yeah tv i was on this competition actually in the summer called um it was it was uh sponsored by cctv like the state and they were doing they were doing like a foreigner speaking chinese competition um and uh you yeah. win no <laughs> no i actually did terribly I, so so the interesting thing is i actually never did really that well in these competitions the reason was that even though my chinese was very good um i was i i had like so much stage fright i was always really nervous and i would get up there on the stage and be like like i just i just didn't be able to yeah, it's like, different, right? Like I wouldn't be able to really give a give a, like a good performance um on the stage. I was just too nervous and I I just kind of like, yeah. Um so no, I never I never really did well in that in these competitions. Um and um yeah, but I certainly enjoyed I certainly enjoyed like participating in them. Yeah. So that, so you discovered that Chinese people really enjoyed watching foreigners who, who speak Chinese, especially those who speak it well. So yeah. is that what gave you the idea to start your, your YouTube channel? Like after that year when you went back to New York? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like, I had the idea to, I had the idea to just, um, just, uh, you know, cause I liked languages and, and um, um, you know, it was clear to me that there was some interest in seeing foreigners who spoke Chinese. So, I was like, Hey, let me just try it. Let me just try uploading some videos on to YouTube and see if yeah. anybody, anybody cares. Um, so that was, that was back in like 2011, I think. Yeah. Um, I, re- I and- remember watching those videos and I think I watched them back in 2011. So this was yeah. on your first YouTube channel called uh, Ari in Beijing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you had a video there where you, where you were speaking Beijing, the Beijing dialect, right? Yeah, exactly. And that was yeah. pretty crazy by the way. Right. It was like, right. <laughs> It's almost sounded really authentic, like uh, yeah. But that was like the first video that went. Well, I wouldn't. I'm not sure if it went viral, but it, it did quite well, right? Yeah, it went. I mean, it, it certainly went viral for oh, for for me at the time, at least. Um, and so you know, got 
right now, I think it has like maybe like 800,000 views, okay. um, yeah. which, you know, which, you know, for somebody's, for somebody's first video that they ever post on YouTube and it gets 800,000 views, like, whoa, that's, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's a lot of people, you know, yeah. and I had people, I had people messaging me being like, Hey, I saw your video on YouTube. That's so cool. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So just for the people who haven't watched that video is basically, I think you like in the first part, you're reading the, the news, right? Right. ไม่ก็ส่งเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอาเอ
And so I started getting a big Chinese audience watching these videos. On YouTube? No, on um, Billy Billy. It's a Chinese, okay. uh, Chinese video website. Yeah. Um, and um, so a lot of people were, I, and I was cross posting on YouTube as well, but there weren't really so many people watching on YouTube at the time because YouTube is blocked in China. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I did start getting videos, views on YouTube when I started posting these uh, street food videos, I like to call yeah. them, which is where videos where I, um, I give people food on the yeah. street. Like yeah. what, what I started doing was, okay, I was like, let's take Chinese food and give this to like Americans and tourists in Times Square and see how they react. So like, you know, Americans try like spicy Chinese hot pot for the first time, like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so for Chinese people, that's very interesting. That's like, mm. wow. You know, it's like cool to see um, Americans reacting to like authentic Chinese food for the first time. Yeah. Um, and so those videos started going viral, but then what happens, and this is something that's very, that's very typical on YouTube the novelty of the original video wears off, right? So like if you watch, okay, Chinese people or Americans trying spicy Chinese hot pot for the first time, that's a really interesting video the first time you watch it. But if you're thinking about this from the perspective of growing like a career as a YouTuber, you can't just make like Americans try spicy Chinese hot pot every single time because it just gets less and less interesting. So I made a bunch more of those videos, but, but like the, the, the view counts inexorably trend downward because it just, it just loses its novelty. Yeah. Right. So I was thinking about this as like a, as like a business problem. And I was like, all right, what, what, like, how do I, how do I resolve this? And I was thinking, you know what, this is like an interesting format, but it doesn't have to be, it's maybe it's not novel anymore for Chinese people, but it could be novel for like Mm. Filipinos or Indonesians. And so (laughs) What, what I tried doing was doing the same video, but instead of Chinese food, Filipino food or Indonesian food or Malaysian food. And it turned out people from those countries really liked the videos as well. So I was like, wow, this is cool. I could just do this, um, you know, for other countries. And so I did. Um, and uh, I did like for all around Asia. Um, and um, you did this on yeah. YouTube, right? On YouTube. Yeah. And so I got a lot of fans from different, different parts of Asia. Yeah. Was this for um, your old YouTube channel for Aryan Aryan no, Beijing? No, this or? is all okay. this is all for Xiaomi NYC. If you go back and look at my old videos, like it's like this bizarre cornucopia of like videos for Malaysians. Like there's K-pop videos, <laughs> there's videos in Chinese. It's like a it's like a wacky like circus of of <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't really make sense as like one channel to be honest. But the way YouTube works is YouTube is very intelligent and it'll it'll, it'll try to find the most relevant audience for your for your videos yeah. um so so yeah that that's kind of what i was doing for a while um so, so you started with ari in ari in beijing when did you decide when and why do you decide to to start shama new york city i mean i remember that we had right. a call like three or four years ago and i think we yes. talked about it back then but yes. i don't remember so what what happened why, why did you I, start a channel yeah i started the channel because i um i uh because I was making videos in Chinese for Chinese people. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really make sense to me. Like if I'm switching languages, I didn't really want to post it on my Aryan Beijing channel, which, which is people learning, yeah. Ch- not, not people who necessarily like wanted to, to like, it was just a, a change of audience, you know? So I wanted yeah. to, to change the channel. Ironically though, like on my current channel, I've changed the audience of that channel, like 
a dozen times. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it's not like what I've realized is that, is that the channel is really less important than who the video gets promoted to because YouTube is very smart about promoting to different audiences. So like, you know, people won't like, it's not as though, it's not as though you have, like if you're going to change languages, you have to make a new channel for every language you do. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that was the Mm -hmm. original reason. Yeah. So when the, well, let's first talk about Chinese social media because we yeah. have never talked about that on on the podcast here. Right. So, can you can you give us an overview of the Chinese social media landscape? Like you have Billy Billy, Yoku, Tudo. Um, yeah. How does that work, and and does it right. work? Like, do do like all the foreigners who speak Chinese should they go there? Like, what what has been your experience so far right. with, with this Chinese? Yeah, platform? it's um. So there's a few. There's a few to give you like an overview of the Chinese social media landscape in general. Um, there's no real YouTube of China. Probably the clo- like there, there's a bunch of fragmented video sites. Probably the closest to a YouTube is a website called Billy Billy. Yeah. Um, you know, original like like maybe ten years ago that had been Yoku, but now Yoku is primarily it's more of like a like a streaming website. Yeah. Like you'll watch professionally produced shows. It's not really a website for user produced content yeah. um, anymore. The same with Tudo as well. Um, the other, the probably, there are other, there are lots of other video websites in China, but different formats. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you've heard of TikTok, I yeah. assume, right? So TikTok originally comes from a Chinese app called Douyin. And yeah. so Douyin right now is like the most pop, that's probably like the most popular video app in China, but it's not YouTube. It's, it's short, it's yeah. short videos. Yeah. Um, and there's other short video apps too in China, like, like Xigua Shipin and Kuaishou that are also yeah. popular, but for different, like different different regions of China. Um, And uh, the other thing, the other thing that's worth mentioning that's popular in China, but it's not really very popular in the West um, is uh, live, 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 live streaming is very popular in China. And it's also a very, yeah, gerbo, right. And it's a very popular um, way to make money in China as well. Whereas he, in America, it's not really a way to like make money and it's also not like i guess i guess you have twitch right which is which is popular it's mostly for gaming right but in china live stream is very popular for for um for 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 everything like people talking like you know selling stuff singing yeah it's a it's a very popular format Hmm. um so there's lots and there's lots of different live video plat i'm not as familiar with them but but there are many different um live streaming platforms as well Hmm. so what has been your experience with billy billy like do you make any money of that or yeah. a big you, following compared I to did, Yeah, I, I did. I did make some money. Not, not that much and not, not really very much compared to YouTube. Um, you know, I, and I've also seen a lot of foreigners do, do well on, um, on that website. Like it's pretty, it's pretty, it's actually pretty easy to get, to get a substantial following on Billy Billy if you're a foreigner who can speak Chinese. Yeah. Um, the only thing is, the only thing is, and, and kind of like, um, you know, kind of, kind of part of the reason what, not the whole reason, but part of the reason why I stopped posting on it um, was just the difficulty. It's difficult to, it's difficult to post as a, as a foreigner um, on Chinese social media. There's all these sort of like ideological purity tests. Like, are you a spy? You know, there's all these like conspiracy theories that happen. And so it's, it's, it's not really a very friendly environment Mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways. It depends on the platform, but Billy Billy in particular, there's, it's, it's just a very like, yeah. So, so, um, I, I mean, that was kind of like part of the reason why I post less on that now, but also, also, um, like, I, I think like my interest as a, as like a, as like a creator has changed. Like really what I've always been interested in is less like, like 
less really less about like less about like the the kind of the cultural aspect of things or Chinese culture in particular, which I really love Chinese culture. I'm super interested in it, but really my, my passion and the original source of motivation to make videos is, is, is languages. Um, and you know, I just, um, there really isn't such an interest in language learning for the sake of language learning yeah, in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's an interest in seeing foreigners speak Chinese, but they're <laughs> really, they're, there's not really so much of like, um, like, uh, like people, like people are know, too being, busy, right? That too many responsibilities. Well, uh, may, maybe uh, people have fun in China. You know, people, people will play video games or like learn English or other things, but it's not, there, there is, there isn't really that kind of like as much of an interest in like, you know, like let's go learn Hindi. Like, you know, yeah, like it, it yeah. just, it just isn't really like, like it isn't really as much of a thing. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it would be harder to kind of do that do that in um in in china yeah and is that the reason why you now focus 100 percent on youtube or are you still trying other platforms as well yeah i mean you know i'm focusing i don't know i don't know if it's focused on youtube i'm focused on creating content like i post on tiktok too i actually have a lot of followers on tiktok um you know i post on uh instagram and facebook but yeah really you youtube is my main source of income yeah um and i think also it's uh it's um it's it's a good way to make money and you know support yourself like i yeah. um um you know um especially once you have sponsors yeah. um and things like that you know yeah. like it's um um yeah you can make you can make a living off it which is great yeah so you have about two and a half million subscribers on your youtube channel yeah. how did you figure out what worked i mean you you said like 10 minutes ago you tried a lot a lot of different things right right um so how did that go you just tried lots of different things and then you did more of what seemed to work or tell us a little bit about how you yeah how no you, that's ex that's exactly you, what i did how you found your, your <laughs> voice basically yeah. right so so you know to figure out like you just have to try a lot of stuff and see what works you know see what sticks like like i've made so many horrible cringy awful videos over the course of my like youtube career just as a way to experiment and see what works um, you know, and see what sticks. And, um, you know, I, um, um, you know, and I, I tried making maybe like six to nine months ago, I think I tried making a video where I was, I was like, maybe people will be interested in seeing me to buy stuff in Chinatown in Chinese. Like, so we tried making that video and it did really well. And so I was like, all right, well, that's a signal that I should make more of those videos. And so I, I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's important. I think it's important. Like, I think it's important to like, it's, it's not, well, I think a lot of people think, Oh, I don't want to chase virality. I don't want to be like, I don't want to just try to chase the numbers. Um, but I don't really think that's the right way to think about it. Like the, a view count, a large view count on YouTube is a signal that there's a lot of people that are interested in that content and um it now it has to coincide with what you're good at and what you're like doing and what yeah. you like doing and if it doesn't like people are going to see that you know yeah. and or you're gonna get bored of it right yeah, yeah um so you can't be like like and i've tried this like there's there have been times when i've seen like oh mr beast just made an amazing video like i think i could do something similar right and you make a similar type of video 
and nobody watches it, right? Nobody cares because you're not Mr. Beast, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a different kind of environment. So, um, uh, but you, so you have to make things that are, you have to make things that are coincident with your passions and your interests. Um, but and yeah. something that the audience is, is looking for. Or right. And, and something that the, that the audience, that the audience values, that the audience wants to watch, you know, because yeah. a lot of times, a lot of times when people start, I remember when I started making videos, I was like, well, what do I care about? You know, like what, like, I, like, I think this is interesting. I want to make a video about this, but the audience might not care about that. Right. So yeah. if you want to get views, you have to, um, you have to make things that an audience is yeah. going to care about as well. So it gives a few examples of videos that you did that completely failed and a few examples of videos that, that went viral, that it really right. well. Yeah. So oh, let me think. Um, okay. So let me, let me preface this by saying that like, oh, I think a lot of times people think, that the views you get is kind of a, a, an in, a, a direct linear relationship with how much effort and work you put into something. So I made a video that's completely not true though. I made a video, this was a couple of years ago as like a on my Chinese kind of like vlog experience where I was thinking, you know what, let me, so, I was in touch with a Japanese guy on Billy Billy, who was also a YouTuber, that, or like a like an uploader there, and um, he was coming to he was coming to um, America, like Las Vegas, to just like for a vacation, I think. And so I I was like, you know what? I think it'd be a fun video. And I live in New York, which is like which is like halfway across the the country. And so I was like, you know what? And I told him I couldn't come, I couldn't make it because it's really far away. I have a lot of work. And I was like, you know what? It might be an interesting video if I snuck out to Las Vegas and surprised this guy and filmed the whole thing. And so what I did was I flew out to Vegas. I, I told him I wasn't, I wasn't coming. I got my friend to come with me to, to Vegas. We rented a room in a hotel. We got a fake birthday cake. I snuck into the birthday cake. We set up hidden cameras all around the birthday cake. We got him to come to the hotel. My friend was there he, and, he, and he got him to, like we had this whole like fake like set up to get him to arrive at the hotel. He comes, takes him to the backyard. There's a birthday cake there. I jump out of this birthday cake and <laughs> shock him and, and film his react. He's like totally shocked. And it's like this like 20 minute, this grand like prank video. I was like, man, I fucking nailed this video. It's going to get 10 million views. People are going to love it. I posted total crickets. Actually, to this day, I think that video is one of my worst performing views on YouTube. There's very few videos that have fewer views than that one on my YouTube channel. And I'm just like, fuck, what the hell, man? Like, I spent so much money and time and effort on this fucking video. And, and, and I was like, was this a waste of time? Like, yeah. Um, but you know why it, it just that video didn't resonate with the audience in any way it didn't it didn't make any sense to them like why i would be doing this you know especially like a chinese audience like maybe if i had made that video in english it would have made a little bit more sense but like for a chinese audience it's like what are you doing like it this doesn't make any sense to did, us did the guy did the guy share it or not even not even what do you what do you mean like on the, the, the guy like that you pranked did he share the video with his i don't followers? remember i don't remember i don't remember <laughs> it, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because it was just like so clearly irrelevant and stupid and boring for for my for my audience um yeah <laughs> give us an example of something that did work very well then yeah 
with minimum with minimum effort. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, here's a good one. I, uh, I, um, I was talking to some people after I had been doing these like Chinese videos, these Chinese videos for Americans for a while. And somebody suggested that actually a couple people suggested this to me. Um, why don't you go to a nail salon? And I was thinking like nail salon, really? Like, I don't, I, it, it was like, I don't, um, I don't really understand why that's, that's interesting, but people were just like, oh, you know, you gotta, gotta go to nail salon. It's like a thing, like go to a nail salon and see if you can speak Chinese with people there. So I was like, okay, I'll try that. So I went to a nail salon with my friend and we kind of like filmed the, the, you know, encounter. Um, it was pretty funny, but I didn't think it was like, so it, it was like kind of interesting, but I was like, okay, you know, it's like, all right. But, um, I posted the video and, uh, it's got, I think over 30 million views right now a million. <laughs> on my YouTube channel. And, um, what do you do? Just surprise the, the people who work there with your yeah. Chinese or? Yeah. And well, it, so they were kind of like um, the, 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 I think the interesting part, well, I can talk about why, why that video did well, but, um, but uh, you know, in the actual video itself, you know, we were, we were speaking in, we were speaking in English and then they were talking about us in Chinese. And then I, we suddenly revealed that we were able to speak Chinese and it was like, <gasps> they were shocked. Right. Um, and then we kept talking in Chinese. Now, why that video did so well is a function of a couple things. Like one, uh, you know, it's people are interested in seeing me speak Chinese and surprise people with my Chinese. But that video did so much better than the vast majority of other videos in which I spoke. I surprised people with my Chinese. Mm. And the reason is that nail salon it turns out is a, is a really key cultural touchstone mm. in American culture. Every American girl, not every, but most maybe American girl has had the experience of going into a nail salon, sitting down and, and seeing the Asian, usually Asian ladies um, doing her nails speaking in their language, you know, whether that's yeah. Vietnamese, Korean, Chinese, yeah. it's not always Chinese, but speaking in their language to each yeah. other. Um, and everybody who's been in that situation has thought, oh, what the hell are they talking about? What the hell are they talking about? Yeah. Right, exactly. So what that video was able to capture was yeah. this vicarious experience of going and getting your nails done. Yeah. But let's say you did that. And let's say all of a sudden you were able yeah. to understand what, 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 the, what the nail salon workers were saying. Yeah. Right. Like every girl has, has that experience of like wanting to be able to know, to know what people are talking, are, are saying, are they, are they gossiping about me? Like, what are they talking about? Like, I wonder if I could surprise them with perfect Vietnamese or Korean, what kind of experience would that be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's, it's also a thing in um, like, you can see this also reflected in media as well. Like there's a very famous episode of Seinfeld where um, Elaine goes into a Korean nail salon and the Korean nail ladies are gossiping about her viciously and she can't understand what they're saying, but it's hilarious because they're calling her like a princess, like a pampered little, you know, you know, like, like a woman and, and, and she's, um, and, and, but she has no idea what they're saying. Yeah. And so it's this kind of like cultural thing that's very, very relevant 
for for people. And when you combine that with the shock reaction of somebody seeing you yeah. speak Chinese, that's a recipe for a viral video. So, so what can you learn from that? I mean, once you discover that that video worked, like what do you do next then? Like, do you, I find you other, something similar? Or? Yeah, you find, find other culturally relevant situations. Um, so for example, I did that video in a restaurant and that's my number one performing video of, yeah. of all time on my YouTube channel. Um, because, because ordering in a restaurant in Chinese is, is the ultimate it's, it's like the ultimate point of contact with Chinese culture in, in America, right? Mm-hmm. Almost every single American has had the experience of going into a rest, and not just girls, right? Everybody mm-hmm. has had the experience of going into a restaurant, ordering in Chinese, um, or not not ordering Chinese, but trying ordering in English, hearing people speak Chinese and wondering maybe, wow, you know what? If I could speak Chinese here and surprise people, like it might be, it's just, so when you watch the video, you get a vicarious experience of I've been in that situation before. Yeah. And what if though, mm-hmm. what if I could speak Chinese in this yeah. very situation? Like, wow, that'd be, everybody can picture themselves sitting right there yeah. or standing in the counter ordering. Everybody can picture themselves in that exact situation. Yeah. So it's really the relatability here. People can relate to the situation that you're yeah. in, but this time exactly. they're going to have that, that yep. superpower of yeah. being able to understand and speak Chinese. Right. Um, has your YouTube channel been growing exponentially? No. No. Um, oh. Because what happens is, what happens is, um, this is sort of a function of what I was talking about, right? Where like, you don't, there's always a novelty factor mm. with, with, um, with videos. You know, like you see, you see a person surprise somebody with Chinese, even in a culturally relevant situation. It's interesting, right? Really cool. Wow. It's amazing. The second time you see that person order in a restaurant in Chinese, it's like, oh this is cool again you know the third time you see it this is pretty cool the fourth time you see it yeah i've seen this before maybe i won't click on the video this time the fifth time you see it you youtube doesn't even promote the video to you because the click-through rate is so low that nobody you know nobody really watches it so um so yeah no the answer is the answer is that 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 genre just becomes less and less effective um over time and, um, um, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the, re- like, you can still, like, you can still make, um, um, you know, like, I still have an audience that watches me on YouTube, because the really the way that you like, there's, there's very few YouTube creators who are able to consistently get a large audience with every video, like, because there's like, for example, PewDiePie, Right. Mm-hmm. PewDiePie is somebody who can make a video and get the same, like get large numbers of people to watch the video every time. Right. And it's, it's, it's not in that case, it's not because he's doing something He's not doing something. It's, it's not like a particular thing that people could lose interest in. It's more that people are interested in his personality, his yeah. style of editing, his style of humor, yeah. um, rather than like any particular like content or, or challenge. That's an interesting idea. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I have a little bit of that, but not nearly to the degree that yeah. like PewDiePie does. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it's much harder for my channel to kind of, to kind of grow in that way. Do you know why he has that, why he has a following that's more interested in his personality and would it be a way for you to become more personal and also, right. yeah, maybe there, there might be, I mean, so, so I, um, uh, you know, I think I've, I've seen it with a number of YouTube creators and, and the way that it's, it's, it's usually successful with, it's successful with like, um, 
you like usually usually when i see that type of channel it's related to like humor um like people are are kind of like funny and um you know it's possible it's possible that like my youtube channel goes in that in that direction but at this point like like i the thing is like i don't really want to hmm. be a youtuber in that direction like I, I like i could experiment more with that and maybe like if i tried doing it for like a few months i could maybe try to get my channel in that direction but i could also fail you know and the thing is like when i i have a line of sight to making a language business that like doesn't have to be youtube Mm -hmm. at all so like i don't necessarily feel like compelled to try to take my channel into like this humor fast paced edited direction when i could just do what i love which is like teach and learn languages instead Mm. that i think would be more interesting for like a core audience because to have like a sustainable business you don't you don't need a million people to watch your videos every time like you just need a core audience who's willing to pay for your services yeah and so like i think that that's something that i'm really good at and it's something that i really like doing Mm. and i would rather make a business founded on that than try maybe unsuccessfully to 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 turn my youtube channel into a into a different thing yeah i think it's very important that you mention that here because you know sometimes people pay too much attention to the numbers right so oh this guy has a million subscribers he must make so much money but i think it's important here to not forget the to not forget the end goal right what is what is the end goal if the end goal is to become a superstar youtuber with 10 million subscribers and you know become famous and get invited for all these exclusive events and you know, who knows, whatever. Um, or do you want to build sustainable language business? And if you want to do the latter, indeed, you don't, you do not need a million or 5 million subscribers. But yeah. anyways, I mean, you have a big channel. You, you manage to live of, um, of, of your, uh, of the revenue that you generate with it. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, uh monetization, um, how you generate revenue. Yeah. So, so on my YouTube channel, um, there's a couple ways. I mean, one is obviously, you know, you have AdSense, right? Yeah. So every time you watch a video on YouTube, it's like a pre-roll ad, right? Unless you're paying for YouTube premium. Um, and that's that, that, that revenue gets shared with the creator. So yeah. like a you know, 50, 50 split. Yeah. That's not that much money. Um, that's, that's only a lot of money that, that, that only becomes significant when you're getting like millions and millions of views per video. Right. So, um, so I was doing well off of that when I, um, like a few months ago, when, when my videos speaking Chinese went ridiculously viral. Um, but now like, I don't really make so much money anymore off of, off of AdSense. Um, because the videos don't get that, don't do that well anymore. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, but that's where, um, sponsors come in. Yeah. Right. So sponsors are willing to pay, um, for, uh, for, for like you to sponsor their, sponsor their videos at rates that are way above what what adsense is going to pay you Mm -hmm. now there's things with sponsors like you have to you you have to make sure it's a good product you have to um you have to um you have to like you have to make sure it's something your audience is going to be interested in you know with the sponsors you have to do the work of finding the sponsors and signing the contract with them and negotiating and all that kind of stuff so there's extra sort of work involved um with that so like I have an agency now that handles a lot of, a lot of the communication with, um, with, uh, with, with, with sponsors. So, yeah. um, yeah. So how does that work? Like did the agency approach you or mm-hmm. do you approach them? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they they approached me and we talked for a little while and um they've been I've been working with them for the past few months and it's been um it's been really great. It's been really really great. Like I, like they take they take a cut of the sponsorship revenues but in exchange they handle the negotiations and and talk with the brands and find the brands and it's just like like I would much rather have them handle that than have me do all the work and so I can more focus on you know content and um and you know yeah. like my language courses which is what I'm doing now yeah so to make sure that that the sponsors are lined up basically so every time that when you're going to publish a new video yep you know you just ask do we have a sponsor and then there's yep. always a sponsor okay yeah you usually they'll come the company with the sponsor first actually so um I sort of try and plan my videos around the sponsorships yeah um now and that's much more profitable than adsense it depends it depends it's it's more it, well it depends on how many views you have, um, but it's 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 way way more on a per view basis. Yeah. Like you know, if you get three hundred thousand views on YouTube, it's not you don't really make that much money. Um, but if you get a sponsor to sponsor your videos at three hundred thousand views, um, it's it's way more on a per view basis. How many subscribers or how many views per month do you need to make sponsorships worthwhile in your experience? <clears throat> um. Sponsors, I, sponsors are usually only interested if you can get, I would say at least like 150k views per video on a regular a regular basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it's also it's also not just for the sponsor. It's not just about how many views that video gets. Yeah. The other thing that a sponsor is interested in is using your image and likeness to promote their product on other channels as as an ad. So for example, because I'm kind of like known as like this language Chinese personality, if I promote a product, what somebody can do is um, they can like a, like a sponsor can take my, um, mm. you know, my endorsement of this product mm. and they can push that out as an ad. Right. Uh, and when yeah, yeah, a yeah. prospective consumer sees that they're like, Oh, it's Xiaomi. I know, you know, I know yeah. he, he wouldn't promote a shitty product. Yeah. So, so they can, <laughs> Yeah. So that's part of the deal. Like you promote, you do a shout out, but at the same time, they can also use your video for their. Marketing. Yeah, not, 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 not always, but oftentimes they're interested in that as well. Mm, okay. So what, what's the next level? I mean, AdSense, yeah, it's you know, quite easy to do. I mean, of course right. you need to have an audience, um, yeah. but it's easy to do. It doesn't pay mm -hmm. very well. Then you have sponsorships. And then the next level, of course, is creating your own courses, right? Right. How has been your experience so far with uh, selling courses? Yeah. I mean, so far, so far, it's been it's been really, really exciting. Um, you know, I'm teaching. I started teaching a live course um, this week, actually, mm -hmm. and um, there's been a lot of a lot of interest. And um, you know that this to me right now, this is looking like something that could essentially replace the income from my YouTube business. Yeah. Um, you know, potentially completely in the future. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that, I think that, I think that for me, like, I think the value when you want to like buy a language course from a YouTuber, like part of it is, part of it is the language, but the other part of it is that you have um, like contact with an expert at that language, somebody who's learned that language, or if they're a native speaker, is just really good at, it. Um, you know, for, like in my case, it's, you know, it's, it's, 
you kind of like for somebody in the position that I was 10 years ago, like Chinese is a hard language and it takes a lot of time and you kind of want reassurance that you're on the right track, you know, that you're, that you're doing things right. That like, can I even, is this even possible for me to learn Chinese? Like maybe I'm too old. Maybe I don't have enough time, you know? So you want, you want to like, to like run this by the expert, you know? And like, I have actually, I have a friend um, his YouTube channel is Matt versus Japan. You may have heard of him. Yeah. He, um, he speaks uh, incredible Japanese and he learned Japanese through American guy. And he learned Japanese through basically watching anime as far as I can tell. And um, he, he doesn't even have so many subscribers on YouTube. He has like 50 K um, which I mean, which is a lot, but it's not, it's not like, like 2 million, you know, he's not making like, like he doesn't have sponsors really that much, but he was telling me how like his, his kind of consulting business has been going great mm. because essentially what he's been able to do is offer, offer like um, um, YouTube consulting, like it's essentially language consulting for people who, for people who want to learn Japanese, but yeah. are like, how do I, I don't know how to yeah. do. So yeah. people can like, can like pay to have, essentially him consult with them. So it's like language coaching, basically. Yeah, People want like, to learn with, with the expert, but also with someone that they can right. trust, right? Exactly, exactly, right? So they know, okay, this guy speaks amazing Japanese. He learned Japanese in a way that seems really fun that I also would like to learn Japanese in that way. But I don't know, I don't know if that's the right way to learn Japanese. Let me, let me just like run stuff by him, you know? Yeah. So maybe the conclusion here, or well, maybe not the conclusion, but that you don't need 2 million subscribers to have a business. I mean, um, Matt is his name, right? Yeah. Matt can do it with 50 K subscribers. Yeah. I mean, a, ling a language boost, I think we have 31 and, yeah. um, it's also quite profitable, I have to say, and it's passive as well on top of that. So you definitely don't need right. a huge channel, but if you have a huge channel, then opportunities there, of course. So tell us a little bit about your, your latest course launch and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, your experience with that so far yeah yeah so i'm running i'm running a live a live chinese course right now um i started it as an experiment like before i started this i was kind of i was thinking along these veins of like maybe there's some people interested in learning chinese with me but i didn't i didn't know i had no idea so i wanted to kind of try to figure out if because before putting in the effort to like make the course and come up with the course mm -hmm. materials yeah i i didn't want to do that if no if people were not going to take the course yeah so what i did was i posted something on my instagram like a, like a flyer essentially for the course, but completely, this was before having made any course materials, having done any work for the course. The first thing I did was I made the promotional materials. Like I, and I put what I was planning to have in the course and, but I didn't do any work. The only work that I did was I made that flyer and then I made a Google form signup sheet. So I said, Hey, if you're interested in taking this course, I, I, and I like wrote some text about what I was planning to do in the course. And I said, if you're interested in taking this course, um, you know, go and put your email in my, in this Google form and, um, you know, and let me know if you're interested. And, um, I got a couple hundred signups really quick, just, just from Instagram, you know, I only have 40 K <laughs> followers on Instagram. And so I, I was like, huh, okay. And I, and I had put the price too. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I was, and, and a lot of people signed up and I was like, okay, clearly there's interest here. So then I was like, okay, now I know that people want to take Chinese with me. Yeah. So I'm going to put in the effort and time to like 
figure out how I'm going to do this, get all the materials, get all like the subscriptions I need to like build a website that people can pay and like make this happen. Um, so I set everything up and then, um, you know, I got, I got like uh, 40 students now. And um, so and they're not um, cheap, right? Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's not cheap. And um, I, um, I, uh, um, I have, I have this like, this like, this like, uh, this like business now. Um, and, and it's not like, like I'm putting a lot of time into this course, you know, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it worth, um, the, like the while of the students. And, um, but I don't, I don't know if like it, I, like, I want to keep, I, I want to keep doing this, but at the same time, like, 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 like it is, it is a lot of work. And, um, like I might, I'm thinking also about maybe it'd be cool to have like a passive income stream, yeah. um, as well from like a pre-recorded course. Yeah. Um, because there's just two directions you could go in, right? Like mm. if you have, you could have live courses, you could have pre-recorded courses, or you can yeah. kind of have a mix somehow. Um, yeah. but yeah, I guess the good thing is, I mean, yeah, this is the first time that you're doing this, right? So you have to yeah. create all the materials, all the materials now, but after the right. bootcamp, is it a bootcamp or after this, after the course ends? Sort of like a, yeah, course, right. You're still going to have all those materials, right? right? That's so true. Yeah. Just sell them separately or maybe right. even record all the lessons and then sell it as a video course later. I mean, we've done that yeah. many times. Uh, language. Right. Um, yeah, but well, that was, well, I would say <laughs> really smart to first validate the idea before going all in, right? There's so many people, especially yeah. the perfectionist. And, right. and if you're listening to the podcast, you might be one of them and you, right. and you know it, but there's so many people who try to be, you know, first they want to have the perfect course and only when it's perfect, yeah. which is never, right. uh, they start selling it. So they never launch it. You did yeah. it all the way around. So, well, that's, no. a, that's a great thing. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, um, uh, for, for me, I, I totally get the feeling of being a perfectionist because I, I was a perfectionist and, um, I still, I still sort of have those tendencies, yeah. but one thing I've learned from YouTube is that perfectionism is the enemy of, of, of everything of, of, you know, of like, of like, because the most important thing by far is trying to figure out what people are interested in. You know, like that's like when you can figure that out and you can like go in and drive home on that particular point, like that's when you can build a business, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, so, um, so I'm, so I'm like, that, that's kind of how I did it with my YouTube videos. Like I was like, all right, you know what? That first prank YouTube video that I did of me speaking Chinese was like the shittiest video. It was horrible. When I posted it, when I like the audio quality was terrible. Like the, it was blurry. Like you could barely see people's faces. It was just like so shitty. And literally I almost didn't post that video. I, I almost didn't post it. I was like, I was like, who's going to watch this sucks. Like we got to remake this. But you know what? I was like, maybe somebody's going to be interested in it. You know, let's just do like MVP here. And I just posted it. And that video has 6 million views now on, on my <laughs> YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, like, like it just shows you that, that, that it's, it's so much more important to try to get things 80% right than 100% right. Yeah. I've, I've two more questions. Um, yeah. So, I mean, 
launching a course has, has various benefits, right? Like one benefit is, of course, that you get to finally make some money, but you also yeah. get to learn about your customers, right? Who are the people who, who respond to your offers, who buy? Who are the people who, who and, and what do they want? What if you learn about your audience so far? Uh, I mean, your clients so far. Yeah. Um, no, like, is this another crowd than what you had in mind or... It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit different. It is actually a little bit different. Like, okay. so I've actually been teaching Chinese courses for, for a long time, like for the past three or four years. I don't think we've talked about this, but I, um, I've been teaching Chinese um, on a volunteer basis, yeah. um, you know, just in, um, in a nearby uh, middle school. And um, for, for mostly for like a, um, for a mix of like Chinese Americans who are, mm-hmm. who are interested in learning Chinese um, like they, they may have relatives who speak Chinese, but they themselves grew up in America. They don't speak any Chinese. Um, and for non-Chinese people who are just interested in, in learning the language, maybe they have Chinese relatives who they want to learn Chinese with. And so when I started doing this course, I was assuming I would get a lot of interest from people who were like, Hey, I want to learn Chinese so I can speak to my relatives. Um, very few, very yeah. few. The majority of people who want to learn Chinese with me are people very similar to to me 10 years ago uh, like people who are like i want to learn chinese because it would be so damn cool to yeah. be able to speak chinese yeah. you know like that 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 was me that was me 10 years ago like i i wanted to speak chinese because i was like wow holy shit if i could speak this language fluently like that'd be I could start really a youtube cool. channel i could i could i don't know what i could do i could do something <laughs> <laughs> right you know I, I i was just interested in it you know and um so I'm finding a lot of people who are, who are like me and I'm like, wow, like that's so cool. And it's cool for me too, because I understand them in a, in a, in a, in like a different way. Like I don't, yeah. I don't understand the experience of having Chinese like relatives. So I can't speak Chinese to, you know, but I can understand the experience of really wanting to learn Chinese because it's cool as hell, you know? <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. So it's, 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 it's really interesting. So it is really good to know because now next time you send out an offer or you write a sales page, you know who you're writing it for, right? You can right. talk about their ambitions yeah. and their pains and their... Exactly. It's exactly. going to be so much more powerful. So Yeah, totally, totally. One final tip for people who want to grow a huge YouTube channel or people who want to grow a language business in general? Um, what would you do differently if you had to start all over again? Yeah. Oh man. If I had to start all over again, uh, I would say, I would say this, I would say, try to concentrate on your core audience. Like if you know what you want to do, don't like, don't like, I spend a lot of time trying to chase virality in like Indonesia and like, you know, Malaysia. And when I, what I realized was like, that's not really the important thing. Like the important thing is trying to focus on, on, on audience that, that, you know, that you really share like a passion with, right? Try to, try to, try to try, try to aim for an audience where you like, you can see yourself in the people who would watch your, your own YouTube channel or would pay for your own courses, you know? Like try to make a course for somebody who would have for that you yourself would have bought, you know, 10 years ago. Right. Um, Yeah. And just, just also like, if you really know you want to do this, don't, don't stop 
trying because it took me so long and so many different attempts before I was able to like, like you might look at my YouTube channel and be like, now it's like, Oh, it's a lot of subscribers. The reality is like, it took me years and years and years of making YouTube videos and videos on other platforms that nobody watched and nobody cared about before making YouTube videos that people actually finally found interesting, you know? So, yeah. Thanks, Ari. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for your time. It was fun talking to you. If people want to learn more about you, where can they go? Yeah. I mean, just, um, you can go to my website, uh, shamanyc.com, or you can, you know, if you look at my YouTube channel, shamanyc, if you can't spell shamanyc, um, X I A O M A N Y C, or just search for white guy speaking Chinese and you can find my, you can find my channels as well on YouTube. Thank you, Ari. Yep. Thanks, Jen. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.